Hi everyone, my name is Irvin. I'm John. And Kyle is not with us today. <laughs> yeah, so it just be John and myself and we're going to chat through what John preached earlier this week on Sunday. He took us through a passage in Exodus 32 and 34, a pretty interesting one, focusing on the character of Moses, how he takes up this priestly role in interceding for a people who would have been a kingdom made up of priests. In Exodus 19, that's what Yahweh wants to do with his people Israel, make them into an entire kingdom of priests. And the first high priest would be Aaron, the brother of Moses. But instead of playing out these priestly roles, Aaron and Israel make for themselves a golden calf to represent the one true God, Yahweh. And in doing so, they commit this really horrific desecration of the pattern that Yahweh himself set way back in the garden where he created humanity to be in his image. So instead of humans being in God's image, now we have the supposed priests of God creating an animal, a golden animal, not not even organic in any way. It's golden, it's metal in the image of the one true God. So Moses' intercession for the failed priests is actually, you know, no mistake. We may see it as like, oh, a blip. How come he's suddenly taking up this priestly role? But if we remember what happened in Exodus 3 and 4, Moses was actually the chosen one, the chosen representative of, of Yahweh. He was meant from the very beginning to take up this priestly role and instead he says no. And that's how Aaron, his brother, comes into the picture and Aaron takes up the official role of the high priest. That's the story of Exodus 32 in a nutshell. And moving forward, we see how Moses intercedes with Yahweh for his people. So John, you shared two ways of looking at Moses' intercession in Exodus 32 and 33. And I was wondering if you could take us through that. Yeah, so it really boils down to this one statement that Moses makes when he's on the mountain pleading with God. He says he's going to make atonement for all of Israel. And he says, if you will forgive their sins, hyphen or dash, if not, blot me out of your book. What does that phrase, blot me out of your book, mean? One way of looking at it is that it means Moses wants to die on behalf of Israel, right? Take my life so that Israel can be spared. That's one way to read it. The other way to read and interpret it is that Moses is not offering his life in exchange for Israel's. He's saying, let me die with them. He is binding his own life to theirs. And why this is significant is because God has previously offered him the chance to say, hey, you know, This nation of priests, Israel, they're failing really, really badly. I want to wipe them out. Moses, let me start again with you. You get to be the new head honcho. You get to be the new Abraham. Why not? So Moses is kind of getting a promotion and it's a pretty good deal. He gets this extra privilege. He gets to lead a people who won't be as rebellious as Israel was. And yet he says, no, I don't want a future where God's chosen people, Israel, is not also part of that future. I want to be with these people. And that's a really interesting way to think of sacrifice. He's not so much offering up his life in exchange for Israel, but he is giving up his privilege, his greatness, so that he can associate with this broken and fallen people. It's like binding himself even closer to this failed people, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. even closer. 
And the natural human tendency is when we encounter people we don't like, oh, we want to stay as far, far away as mm. possible, right? If someone coughs on the MRT, I want to go to the other end of the carriage. Mm. But here, here is Moses identifying with broken fallen people. Yeah, yeah. And so I wonder how that plays out in the rest of scripture. And I'm just wondering if Moses is playing a priestly role right here. How does this lead to the great high priest, Jesus Christ? Does this play out in his life story as well? Yeah, we normally think of Jesus as atonement, as the sacrifice for our sakes. We think of that in terms of Jesus died in my place so that I can live or Jesus came and exchanged his status with mine. But when we look at other New Testament passages, I wonder if we can start to make a shift maybe. So for example, Philippians chapter 2, where Paul describes in Philippians 2, beginning in verse 6, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So what sticks out to me in this reading is that Paul describes Christ not as coming to do something with our sinful status or to impart to us holiness while he takes on sinfulness. That we can find in other parts of the New Testament perhaps. But here it's describing Christ's chief action as coming to associate with the lowest of the low, the worst of human condition. He is sacrificing his divine status, right? Emptying himself so that he can associate with the fallen, the lowly, the lost people like us. It makes me think of, you know, those war movies. Sometimes you have like soldiers fighting in the trenches and they've been fighting for like months and months. Actually, right now, I think that's kind of what's happening in Ukraine. And they're just longing for their next battalion to come in and replace them. So these soldiers in the trenches, they are longing for something like that to happen. But along comes this soldier who comes and says, I'm not your relief. I'm not going to get into the trench so you can get out of the trench, but I'm going to come and jump into the trench and fight alongside you. And I'm going to show you how it's going to be done. And with me, I'm going to lead you to victory. Victory Mm. in Jesus, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in that sense, it paints a very different picture of the cross and why Jesus had to die. It's not just so that we could get out of jail free, Mm. but it is to lead us to that victory together with Him. We are alongside Him. Yeah, so that's pretty heavy stuff. How do we bring it home? How do we lift that out in our day-to-day lives? Yeah, so if I only see my relationship with Jesus as a transactional thing, then it's it's like a business deal, right? I shake hands with Jesus and he is like, okay, I'll take your place, you take mine, and then we go our separate ways. Where's the relationship in that? But when we think of our walk with Christ as Christ has come to share with us and we get to be with him, then that goes back to the, the soldier in the trenches idea or the analogy that came to my mind was as a student, if back when I was in secondary school and I was really struggling with this physics concept, my teacher sat down with me for two hours to make sure I had gotten it right. Now, the teacher didn't exchange his place with mine. What he did was he sat with me for two hours. He came and led me 
to that point where my understanding of it was his understanding of it. Yeah. And so what does this look like for us as we think about the people of God around us? You know, the fellow priests, priests who, to go back to the Exodus story, sometimes will fail as well. What's our calling? To be a priest amongst priests. For myself, it makes me think about how when our brothers around us fail, like the story of the Good Samaritan, we don't pass them by like the priest or the Levite, but we say, this is my brother and I want to pick him up. I want to suffer with him. My journey to the next city is going to be much slower, but that's okay. Yeah, I think one of the great shifts in the church that I see is happening across the world is we are shifting away from a model of oh, I need to fix you. You have a problem and I have the solution. Let me give it to you. Let me load it on you so that you can become right with God. I feel like we are shifting in a healthy way to a model where it's, no, let me suffer with you. I'm happy to bear your burden and I know it's not going to be fixed overnight. But through this walking together through this suffering, as we walk together through the valley of the shadow of death, it is through our togetherness that the Spirit of God comes into our midst and gives us strength to walk the way. And we will emerge on the other side together in new life. That's all we have for this week on the Theology Podcast. See you next week.